Please take your Bibles and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. I have been preaching a series of sermons entitled, A Call for Men to be Godly. And I began this series with five sermons on the subject of sexual purity and a call for men to be sexually pure. This morning I'm moving from the subject of sexual purity to what I'm calling spiritual industry. And I'll explain that in a moment. We're going to look at, in particular, Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 17. But I want to read Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1 through verse 17, so that we see the context of these words to believers, and as we apply them specifically to men, and calling them to be spiritually spiritually industrious to the glory of God. Listen to the Word of God, Ephesians 1, or excuse me, 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you, and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality, or any impurity or greed, must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk, or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience." Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, But instead, even expose them, for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they are exposed by the light. For everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason it says, Awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. So then, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this morning, men, the whole body, but in particular men, we turn our attention to the subject of being Godly men, and in particular, spiritually industrious men. Sexually pure men, we've talked about that, but also now spiritually industrious men. Now, what does industrious mean? 
If I were to give this sermon a title, Spiritually Industrious Men, and you were to try to explain to your children what the word industrious means, how would you describe it? Uh, The word is really not used much today, but I think if you look it up in a dictionary, it typically means hardworking, diligent. But the word industrious means those things, but I think if you look at the 1828 Webster's Dictionary, you get a a fuller definition and description of the word industrious. The 1828 Webster's Dictionary online defines industrious in this way, diligent in business or study, constantly, regularly, or habitually occupied in business, Assiduous, opposed to slothful and idle. Goes on to say diligent in a particular pursuit or to a particular end. Opposed to remiss or slack. Then it says given to industry, characterized by diligence. And then it describes it in this way, careful. That's the word used in verse 15. Careful. And again, it uses the word assiduous. Now, you might not know what assiduous means, but assiduous can be defined this way. Constant in application, constant in effort, working diligently at a task, persevering, unremitting, and meticulous. So all this has, is the idea of being industrious. We often apply it to business, to labor. But with that definition of industrious and applying it to men, consider the call to be spiritually industrious. Not just industrious in regard to labor and work and business, but spiritually industrious, which then encompasses all of life. Being diligent in labor and work is certainly a godly trait when it's done through faith in Jesus Christ and for the glory of God. But I'm applying the word industrious to our spiritual life, our relationship to God, His glory, the pursuit of God, holiness, the pursuit of godliness, and the pursuit of doing the will of God. Are we industrious, diligent, occupied with, careful, Assiduous, constant, persevering, unremitting, meticulous when it comes to spiritual industry. Things pertaining to God. We must be diligent in spiritual things. We must be occupied with the will of God. Not slothful, not idle, not remiss or slack. We must give careful attention to our walk, our lives, our relationship to God, and how that affects every area of our lives, every area. We must be assiduous in our walk with God, persevering in godliness, meticulous in spiritual things, not sloppy with our our lives, not aimless, but purposeful in every area of our lives to the glory of God, using our time wisely. Now, you should hear in that definition, in that description, in that encouragement and exhortation to be spiritually industrious, 
the words we, we read here. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Godly men are careful how they walk. Men, we must consider carefully how to use our time for the glory of God. We must be meticulous in every area of our lives under the Lordship of Christ, understanding the will of the Lord in our various responsibilities and vocations. Or we're going to be drawn away in these evil days. We're not to be foolish men, but instead we're to seek to know and do the moral will of God. And we're to be industrious in these things, diligent in these things, meticulous, assiduous in these things. Men, we must pay careful attention to how we live, purposing to walk in wisdom and according to the will of God as revealed to us in Scripture, using our time for His glory. We must give ourselves to spiritual industry. We must be industrious men, spiritually speaking. And in this way, men, we will flee from the temptations of this world, we'll say no to the lust of the flesh, and we'll escape the snares of the devil. This kind of spiritual industry is honoring to the Lord. Now, before we look at the verses in particular, and and again, obviously it's written to all believers, but we want to apply it specifically to us as men as we all come under the hearing of God's word. But I want to bring your minds to the original creation before the fall. God made Adam to be industrious. Now, what do I mean by that? Now, immediately your mind will go to he was to be industrious. He was given a garden. He was to cultivate it and keep it. He was to rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky. He was given responsibilities. But labor, he was to be industrious in his labor. But I want you men to think about more than just labor, although that is the will of God for you to do so and do so to the glory of God. But when God made Adam to be industrious, it wasn't just his labor in the Garden of Eden. He was to be industrious in his love. He was to be industrious and meticulous and careful in his walk with God, his love for God, and in his love for his wife. He was to be industrious in leading his wife, who was given to him as a helpmeet. A helper. And as God had told them to be fruitful and multiply, it was the will of God that he would be industrious in leading not only his wife but his family. But enter sin. Genesis chapter 3. Now there's indolence, laziness, slothfulness, the wasting of time a lack of industry in the responsibilities God had given. And so we see from that time forward, the people are busy, but not busy in righteousness, 
but busy in unrighteousness, busy in sin, focused on self, focused on glorifying self. And even the, the industry of work itself is not to the glory of God since the fall in Genesis 3. But now it's labor is there to fulfill yourself. Relationships exist for selfish purposes rather than the glory of God. But as those who've been saved by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus, we're called to live differently. And that is the call of Ephesians chapter 5. And in particular, we're looking at verses 15 to 17. But of all the things I read from verse 1 to verse 17, you can see don't partake in certain things and ways of the Lord. Don't be busy in sin and don't be partakers with them. Do not fellowship with them in sin. Your life is different. You're to live differently. It's a call to spiritual industry and in every part of life and labor and love in fulfilling what God has called us to do in loving our neighbor, loving our wife, loving our, our children, leading them spiritually. So this is my call to you men this morning. To be spiritually industrious men. Now, leading up to these verses, verses 15 to 17, the Apostle Paul has been addressing the direction of our lives as believers and the purpose of our lives. As those who have been saved by His grace, we're now to pursue holiness. We're on a different path. We're not on a path of unrighteousness anymore. We've been justified by His grace. We have the forgiveness of our sins. But now He has placed us on a different path, the path of righteousness, We're to walk in love, he says at the beginning of the chapter. We're to walk as children of light since we're no longer in the darkness. And there's an urgency to what Paul is saying here and in this admonition. There are dangers and and snares as we've already talked about in the previous sermons on, on the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life that characterizes the world. There's this urgency. Don't be partakers in those things for on account of those sins and the rebellion against God, the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. There are encumbrances, there are dangers, again, toils and snares as we sing. They would entangle us. So Paul is being urgent here. There's no time to waste. There's no time for unwise, foolish, and sinful living. Time is a gift from God, and it's to be used for His glory. And our brief time on this earth is to be thoughtful, careful, and purposeful. Our lives should be consumed Not with sin, but with doing the will of God. He says it in verse 10, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And in verse 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. We're to be consumed with these things. And so instead of participating with the unfruitful deeds of darkness, our lives are to expose the darkness because we're light in the Lord. Living in the light. And so men, because the days are evil in which we live, and because we're to be lights in the midst of an evil world with darkness all around us, we must pay careful attention to how we live. 
We must be purposing to walk in wisdom and according to the will of God, using our time for His glory. This describes men who are spiritually industrious. Now, let's look at verses 15 to 17 and be instructed by it as it describes what this spiritual industry looks like. Now, first consider the structure of the passage or these verses, verses 15 to 17. In these verses, 15 to 17, you you have three imperatives or three commands. There are two positive commands, we might say, or positive injunctions. Do this. And there's one negative injunction or prohibition. Don't do this. Verse 15, be careful how you walk. Then in verse 17, there's a negative injunction, a prohibition. Do not be foolish. And then a positive injunction. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And so grammatically, structurally, you have that laid out there, these commands. Be careful how you walk. Don't be foolish. Understand what the will of the Lord is. In verse 15, be careful how you walk. And and it begins with, therefore, that's why I read the previous verses. It ties it to what he has previously said about being lights, for they are, believers are, light in the Lord. And he says, don't live this way, but live this way. Don't be unwise, but be wise. Make the most of your time. Purpose to use your time. Don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you see the contrast that exists, not only in the greater context, but in particular in verses 15 to 17. The word therefore in verse 15 And the words, because the days are evil, at the end of verse 16, give us two strong motivations for such careful living. There are many reasons for us to be careful to walk in wisdom and use our time wisely and understand the will of the Lord. But but here are two reasons we find in the immediate context. One is related to the word, therefore, points back to what Paul's just said in verses 1 to 14. He said to them in verse 8, You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So he's making declarations that are true about them spiritually. Proclamations, propositional statements. You are light in the Lord. Now you need to walk that way. Purpose to walk that way as children of light. And one reason for doing so is that our lives might expose the darkness that those who are still in darkness might awake from their spiritual slumber, see the one who is the light, the Lord Jesus Christ, and be saved. Paul writes something similar in Colossians 4, verse 5, when he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, those who are outside of Christ and the church because of their unbelief, making most, the most of the opportunity So he speaks there of how our lives, our conduct is to be a witness to those around us. So there is an evangelistic reason why we should be careful how we walk. And we're not only to expose the darkness, 
We see that in verse 11, verses 13 and 14, that those who don't know Christ will be convicted of their sin. But we're also, we know from Scripture, to adorn and beautify the gospel by our lives. We see that in Titus 2, verses 9 and 10. When when Paul even urges Titus to instruct those who are believers who find themselves in their circumstances as, as slaves, he says that they're to live a particular way in that circumstance so that they would adorn the doctrine of God and adorn the gospel of Christ, that they would beautify it by their lives. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they see your good works, they see your walking in the light, and as a result that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven, that they might come to faith in Christ, that they might give glory to Him. So as we carefully walk according to the will of God in the way that's described here in this chapter, being spiritually industrious, being diligent in our walk with Christ, using our time wisely. We glorify God by being a testimony of the grace of God to those who see us. Remember, we are witnesses with our lips. We have to speak the truth, but also our lives. We're witnesses by our words, that's necessary, but also by our ways. By what we say and what we do. And Paul is urging believers to walk in this particular way so that they would shine as lights in the midst of darkness. We don't want our lives, believers and men in particular, I'm addressing that as we think about our lives, we don't want our lives to contradict the gospel. We desire to walk in integrity and holiness that we might not bring disrepute on the gospel of our Lord Jesus. So be careful how you walk. Men, just think about this. In your home, as you, God grants you children, you're to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Apply passages like that, this, to your home. How you walk and whether you're spiritually industrious, as defined here by this passage, will have an impact upon your children, what they see. They'll hear the gospel here when you bring them. They may hear it from your own lips, but don't let it be just from your lips. Let it be from your lives. And so one reason for this careful walk, this carefully thought out life that's under the will of God is that it might be a witness to the world, but in our homes as well. But there's another reason for being careful how we walk, and it's found in verse 16. Because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. I've emphasized this even in the last several sermons here and there. We live in an evil day. This is why we need this instruction, because there's evil all around us. There are temptations, yes, from within, from our remaining corruption, but from without, so to speak, in the world around us. And we just need to be reminded again, Paul was not wearied by reminding the church again and again that we have an adversary, we have a world that's opposed to us. These are evil days. 
this fallen sinful world is characterized by evil and by sin. This is a present evil age. That's what it's called in Galatians 1 verse 4. There is an age to come. When Jesus returns, that will not be characterized by evil, but only righteousness. But that day is not yet. Until that day, we live in an evil world, full of wickedness and sin, in a world that's opposed to God, that seeks to, as I've spoken of before, seeks to conform us to its sinful way. It's a crooked and perverse generation, Philippians 2.15. It's a world that hates Christ and therefore will hate the people of God in the way of righteousness and the gospel itself. And there is an adversary. And that just needs to grip us, men. You can't be careless under such dangerous circumstances. How do you live in such an environment as light to the glory of God. Well, Ephesians 5 tells us how. In particular, we're looking at verses 15 and 16. You'd better be careful how you walk. Don't be unwise, but wise. Don't squander your time. Redeem the time. Make the most of your time. Don't be foolish, but be a student of the Word of God and understand what the will of the Lord is and do it. So realizing the days are evil should cause us to to purpose to walk wisely. The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians emphasizes our walk, how we live. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we've been called, chapter 4, verse 1. To no longer walk as the Gentiles, and that's a word then descriptive of those who are unbelievers, No longer walk as the Gentiles walk in chapter 4, verse 17. Chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love. Chapter 5, verse 8, walk as children of light. And now be careful how you walk in verse 15. Be careful how you walk. The days are evil. And if you're not careful, meticulous, and assiduous, and purposing to be spiritually industrious... then you'll fall. We just took a trip to the northeast, and part of what we wanted to see was not the sandy long beaches that we see here, but we wanted to see the rugged coastline of Maine. And so we had an opportunity to see that. We wanted to see lighthouses on the rugged coastline. I mean, how spiritually illustrative is that? Warning of the dangers of that. But as a part of that, what I had to do, some of those lighthouses, you really can't get the picturesque photos unless you you go out onto the rocks so you can look back. We didn't have a boat, so you have to go out on the rocks. And so Angela would take pictures of me going out upon the rocks with my knee brace on and trying to, to make my way out so I could get these pictures. And she would send them to the kids. Here's a picture of your dad out on the the rugged coastline. Of course, they would text back, be careful, Dad, because one little slip. And it was true. There's danger. You have to be careful. It would be harmful to fall in that environment, and it may even cause death. 
And there would even be warnings in certain places not to fall or not to go into the water that was below because it could sweep you away. How much more should we be careful? When we're told and we know the days are evil, men, we have to be careful how we walk. So he says here, Paul, the apostle, be careful. More literally, watch carefully. It's two words in the Greek, a verb with an adverb. Watch, look out, carefully. Watch, blepo, is the Greek word. Take notice of, beware. It's the idea of warning often, not just to look, but to watch out because there's danger. Be very careful. And here in the context, it's obviously a warning. Be careful because the days are evil. But watch how. The adverb in the Greek here is watch carefully. And that word carefully is characterized, the meaning of it, it's characterized by an exactness and a thoughtfulness. And so the two words together convey the idea of a thorough examination of one's life, how you're living, how you walk, how you live, making the most of your time, as he goes on to say, and understanding what God's will is, or you're going to fall off the cliff. You're going to be devoured by the adversary. You're going to be consumed by sin. So the idea here is give attention to, consider, think about, be careful about, be purposeful about. It's the idea of spiritual alertness. You can't be sleepy. You can't be like in in a job where you're uh, operating dangerous equipment, coming with medication that says don't operate certain equipment. Or without any sleep for a couple of days and you come and you're just not alert. It's dangerous. You can't walk in this world that's characterized by evil without falling spiritually, without this kind of exactness and thoughtfulness and being careful. You have to be spiritually awake. You have to be spiritually alert. So men, do you give that kind of thought to it? Some of you have jobs where you have to be exact. And one little mistake will have implications Maybe even losing your job. How much more again to our spiritual lives? Do you purpose to live wisely and according to the will of God? We have to give careful attention to these things. When a Christian gets caught in sin, entangled in sin, how does that usually happen? It can happen in a number of ways, but it usually happens by not being careful, spiritually speaking. You let your guard down. You're not spiritually alert. You stop being diligent. You stop reading your Bible. You stop seeking to obey it. You stop praying, and it usually happens over time. You compromise a little here or there. You stop fellowshipping with the people of God as you once did. You don't avail yourselves to the teaching of the Word, or maybe you're present, but you're not really hearing and giving attention to it. You're tired, so you rationalize, not coming to hear the word. You stop attending communion with the people of God. And it goes on and on. And 
then you realize how far you've drifted away. Only because of a lack of carefulness. Paul says, watch carefully how you walk. Then he describes it this way, not as unwise men, but as wise Walking unwisely would be to walk carelessly, haphazardly, thoughtlessly. And so he's saying, don't be aimless. You've heard me use this illustration before. Don't be like a balloon you blow up and then you let go of it and it goes around the room. Be like an arrow pointed at a target with precision, goes through the air and hits the bullseye. Be wise. Discipline, purposeful in seeking the glory of God through obedience to His revealed will in the Scriptures. Walk wisely in regard to the evil around you. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil, Proverbs 3, verse 7. That's walking wisely. Proverbs 14, 16, A wise man is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is arrogant and careless. Be careful how you walk in these evil days. Proverbs 16, verse 6. By the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. Proverbs 27, verse 12. This is wise living. A prudent man, a wise man, sees evil and hides himself. He's not boastful. I see that evil. I'm okay. Get a little closer to that evil. I'm okay. I know it's evil days, but I'm okay. The proverb goes on to say, you're naive. The naive proceed and pay the penalty. You walk wisely by fleeing evil, turning from temptation immediately, because you're careful, you're alert. This is from the evil one. This is from my... Remaining corruption, this is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the boastful pride of life. You're not spiritually sleepy. You're watchful and alert. This is walking wisely. But then he uses this phrase in verse 16 that characterizes this kind of spiritual industry and diligence and meticulous walk and thoughtfulness in how we live. Making the most of your time. Making the most of your time. Time is a precious commodity that God gives to us, and we're called to use it to His glory. Sometimes, men, we fall because we're not using our time wisely. We're not making the most of our time. We're not using our time in a way that's consistent with what God has called us to be and to do. We've seen that already. Remember David, when he fell in 2 Samuel 11, He should have been fulfilling his kingly duties. He should have been using his time to be out with his troops. Instead, he's not fulfilling those responsibilities, and therefore he wasn't using his time wisely. But remember Joseph? No matter where Joseph was, even when he was unjustly sold into slavery, he's still being diligent in his responsibilities, faithful to God, spiritually industrious, spiritually alert so he wasn't caught off guard when a powerful woman, Potiphar's wife, appeals to him 
to do something that would be sin against his God. See how important it is that we think, oh, how I'm using my time is so important. Even down to the hours and the days and the time of day, am I doing the will of God by the use of my time? And so Paul is calling believers to to see how valuable time is and to use it wisely to the glory of God. Because time, once used, can never be regained. Once it's lost, it's gone. And therefore, we must be careful how we use it by purposing and planning to use time wisely. This word, making the most of, in the Greek it means redeeming the time. It's a word that means to buy something and then to use it for your purposes and here for godly purposes. One commentator said this, they should not wait for opportunity, when it says making the most of the opportunity, it says they should not wait for opportunity to fall into their laps, but they should buy it up. In light of the entire context, the opportunity referred to is that of showing by means of their life and conduct the power and glory of the gospel, thus exposing evil, abounding in good works, obtaining assurance of salvation for themselves, strengthening the fellowship, meaning the church, winning the neighbor for Christ, and through it all, glorifying God. The opportunity missed will never return. Let it therefore be used to the full. We all know what it's like to, to have time pass, to use it unwisely or even sinfully. And we understand we can never have that time back. So make the most of the time and the opportunity. Time is not to be wasted. Godly men use their time wisely and they think about the use of their time. They're careful how they walk. They make the most of their time. Here's some truths from Scripture that should direct our thinking about time and how we use it, just briefly. These truths are related to the creator of time, the brevity of time in life, the dangers of life, the accountability of life, and the sacredness of life. First, the the creator of life. God has numbered our days. Psalm 139, verse 16. In your book were all written the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. He's the creator of life. God has numbered our days. He's ordained them. And given that, we must use it for his glory. There's the brevity of life. Time is short. Life is short. James 4, verse 14. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You're like breath in the cold air and then it's gone. You appear for a little while. How transitory our lives are. The the hymn, O God, our help in ages past, time like an ever-rolling stream bears all its sons away. They fly forgotten as a dream dies at the opening day. That, That hymn speaking of how brief life is. We just sang, though life is but a fleeting breath, a sigh too brief to measure. The brevity of life should dictate how we use it. We don't have much time 
Use it all to the glory of God. Then there are the dangers of life. The days are evil. Therefore, our time can't be wasted and used for sinful things. There's the accountability of life. We'll give an account to God for how we live our lives. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. That's to believers. We will give an account to God for how we use our time. But there's the sacredness of life. Because God created it and it's to be used for His glory. It may be short, there may be dangers, but it can be used to the glory of God as believers. And so in light of this, Psalm 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. God's numbered our days, so we should be keenly aware it's short, it's brief, it's to be used for His glory as believers. So we need to number our days. We need to be mindful that it's to be used to His glory. Horatius Bonar wrote this, Redeem the time. Much of your progress, meaning spiritually speaking, depends on this. Be men of method and punctuality. Waste no moments. Have always something to do and do it. Use up the little spaces of life, the little intervals between engagements. George Mueller said, someone may ask, but why should I rise early? Talking about the use of time and not slumbering too long. Mueller known for getting up early. He said, to remain too long in bed is a waste of time. Wasting time is unbecoming of a saint who is bought by the precious blood of Jesus. His time and all he has is to be used for the Lord. If we sleep more than is necessary for the refreshment of the body, it is wasting time the Lord has entrusted us to be used for his glory, for our own benefit and for the benefit of the saint and unbelievers around us. So men, how are you investing your time? Time is like an investment. You don't spend it, you invest it. You can waste it, or you can use it to multiply glory to God in and through your life. So you should be asking questions. What is God's will for the use of my time? And by saying time, we just mean my life. How should I be living it? We don't have time to look at it, but I love the verses in 1 Peter 4, 1 to 3. Listen to what Peter says. We won't get into detail, but Peter says this. Since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose, because he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live the rest of your time in the flesh, now that you've been saved, No longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Peter is saying the same thing in other words that the Apostle Paul is saying in Ephesians 5. With the rest of your life, it's brief. You don't have much left, but God has saved you. Don't live it any longer for the lust of men, but for the will of God. Understand what the will of God is. Use it for those purposes. No longer for sin. And that points backward to how we once lived. 
you once lived in sin. And he goes on to say, for the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In other words, he says, has there not been enough time in that when you were unsaved and unregenerate? And now you've been saved by the grace of God. The rest of the time you have, live it to the glory of God. Don't live it for those things that should be past in your life. That is a previous chapter in your life. But now, the climax of your life is you've been born again by the grace of God. You've been saved and redeemed. And now the remaining chapters of your life should no longer look like the previous chapters. As Robert Layton, a Scottish Presbyterian minister, said in the 1600s, Now, says the Christian, corrupt lusts and deluding world, I have served you for too long. The rest of my life must be given over to the Lord, to live for Him through whom I live. What strength I have and what time I have, through His grace, will be holy his completely his man that's what God has called us to do and Paul just says it this way in verse 17 so then here's what it looks like don't be foolish but understand what the will of the Lord is don't be foolish don't live in sin any longer but understand gain insight into perceive grasp pursue what the will of the lord is understand it and it's not just the idea of i want to know what the will of the lord is it's for the purpose of doing it that my life might be directed by it so here he is talking about the moral will of god Understand, this is a life that's spiritually industrious. Understand and be in pursuit of knowing in this book where God has revealed to us his moral will. Understand it, know it, study it for the purpose of doing it. And let your life be directed by it meticulously, carefully by the word of God. For that is the fruit of a true Christian. Not what you say, but how you live. The one who says, I have fellowship with him, yet walks in darkness, John said, you lie. It's a mere profession of the lips. Jesus said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. We're not justified by doing the will of the Father. But those who have been justified by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus are characterized by doing the will of the Father. And if you don't do the will of the Father, if you're not pursuing understanding His will, then there can be no assurance you place your faith in Christ and have been born again. John said it this way, 1 John 2.17, The world is passing away and all its lusts, but the one who does the will of God lives forever. The Christian is consumed with the will of God. Trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And where do we find that again in Scripture? Here's what it looks like. 
Men, you want to be godly, spiritually industrious men. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. That's being spiritually industrious. Men live according to the will of God. Be careful how you walk. Use your time wisely. Knowing that the days are evil and there's the temptation to foolishness, know and understand the will of the Lord and do it. And this will guard your way and your path. I'll conclude with just a reminder of one who has gone before us, who wanted to live this kind of meticulous, spiritually industrious life. His name was Jonathan Edwards. He lived from 1703 to 1758. Brief. And in his early life, even at beginning at the age of 18, he began to put together resolutions. Things that he was resolved to do because he wanted to be careful how he walked. One writer says it this way, Edwards started writing his resolutions as fall gave way to winter in 1722. Now, mind you, he was born in October of 1723. It says, dating the last resolution, there were 70 resolutions. He finally penned the last resolution in 1723. And Jonathan Edwards wrote this, Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat by His grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to His will for Christ's sake. Here were some of his resolutions. Resolution 5, Resolved, Never to lose one moment of time, but improve it, the most profitable way I possibly can. Resolution 7, resolved never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if it were the last hour of my life. 17, resolved that I will live so as I shall wish I had done when I come to die. Number 19, resolved Never to do anything which I should be afraid to do if I expected it would not be above an hour before I hear the last trump. Number 37. Resolve to inquire every night as I am going to bed wherein I have been negligent, what sin I have committed, and wherein I have denied myself also at the end of every week, month, and year. Number 41, resolve to ask myself at the end of every day, week, month, and year, wherein I could possibly, in any respect, have done better. And number 52, 
He says, I frequently hear persons in old age say how they would live if they were to live their lives over again. Resolved that I will live just so as I can think I wish I had done, supposing I lived to old age. What an example of someone who wanted to walk carefully. I said in conclusion, but let me conclude with the one who is our ultimate example, Jesus Christ, who said, my food when he walked this earth is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. He was sent for a unique work to lay down his life for sinners, to redeem a people for his own possession. But oh, what an example to follow. His very food was to do the will of his Father. That's spiritual industry to the glory of God. May it be so in our lives. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we confess that even as Jonathan Edwards confessed later in life that he fell short of his 70 resolutions, and as careful as he wanted to walk, he fell short. For we are still sinners. But nonetheless, you have called us to be careful how we walk and by your grace to grow in these things and in sanctification. And when we sin, we thank you that we have an advocate, the Lord Jesus Christ, who pleads his precious blood for us. And Lord, I know for all of us, we can look back and say there has been time wasted. And in some cases, not just carelessly, but purposely in sin. I pray that in those cases, may today be a day of repentance and by your grace, a day of walking in righteousness. Thank you for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And thank you for the grace of our Lord that enables us to not only believe, but to repent and to be sanctified. I pray for us as men in this church, Father, that we would be spiritually industrious men, that we would not be lazy, but diligent, that we would be meticulous in how we live and careful to walk in a manner that is worthy of our calling in Christ, fulfilling by your grace the responsibilities you've given to us, forsaking and fleeing from sin and pursuing righteousness, trying to learn from your word what is pleasing to you and understanding what your will is as revealed to us in Scripture. May that characterize us as men that we might be lights in the world, lights in this church, leaders in this church to your glory, lights and leaders in our homes to your glory. Father, I pray and I beg you, do this for your namesake among your people and in your church. And may the men who have been saved by grace purpose to pursue these things. And all this is to the praise 
and the glory of your name. Amen.